welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. For so many of us, we have that little voice in our head that constantly tells us what we need to do to be accepted by God. In this classic message, Francis Chan helps clear away the fog that keeps us from seeing God's grace and calls us back to the freedom that Jesus died to give us. Well, this morning is kind of interesting because I'm actually speaking on something I don't understand. <laughs> it's always fun, huh? Um, and what I mean by that, and, and yet I understand it better than I did last week. I understand it better this morning than I did last night. You see, spiritual knowledge, spiritual knowledge isn't just about intellect. Spiritual knowledge isn't just, you don't get to know things by God, things of God, just through pure intellect and just through studying enough. If that were true, then, you know, all the most intelligent would know God, all the Asians would know God best. <laughs> but the Bible teaches that, uh, I'm just kidding, the, the Bible teaches that in knowing God and spiritual knowledge, it's, it's more than intellect. In fact, he says that he'll, he'll frustrate the intelligence of the intelligent. And the Bible is, talks about how there's a direct correlation, direct correlation between spiritual knowledge and obedience. That how you obey actually affects what you will know. That was the whole point of the parable of the sower. You know, when he says he throws out seed, and a lot of it depends on your heart and where it's at. And that's why and, and at the end of the parable, he talks about, uh, he, says, he says, therefore, be careful how you listen. Be careful how you listen, because to whom some, the ones who get it and actually apply it, they're going to receive more knowledge. But the ones that don't apply it, even what knowledge they have will be taken away from God. Like God himself either puts knowledge in you or takes knowledge out of your mind. And a lot of it has to do with your obedience. That's why even like in Romans 1, it describes those who suppress the truth and continue on in their sin, God actually gives them over to a depraved mind. Because of their disobedience to the truth that they knew, God says, you know what, I'm going to mess up your mind because you're being disobedient. And there's this correlation that, 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 that goes between application and more knowledge. And that's why the Bible says, be careful how you listen to the word of God. Because if you don't apply what you hear, you're not gonna get more knowledge. In fact, knowledge will be taken away from you. Spiritual knowledge is more than just intellect. And, and the issue that I'm struggling with and the issue why I'm saying I don't get it is because, not because I don't mentally get it, but internally. Like in the very core of my being, do I really get this concept that I'm talking about? And the issue that I'm talking about today is freedom. Freedom. I've never really heard anyone talk about freedom in church. I've never heard a sermon on freedom. Um, and yet, it's a theme that runs throughout the book of Galatians. And Paul fights for this issue of freedom. In fact, Jim wrote this song a while back. I don't know if you got the CD. And there's this line that said, it's for freedom that I've been set free. And I remember hearing that line. I go, it's kind of weird. It's just kind of his little artsy deal. You know, I was wondering, that's like theologically incorrect or whatever. And then I realized, no, he's quoting Galatians 5.1. That's exactly what Galatians 5.1 says. <laughs> I didn't know it was in the Bible, you know. 
that it's for freedom that Christ set us free. The point of Christ setting us free was for this very issue of freedom. It's a big deal. It's such a big deal that Paul gets really fired up about it here in Galatians 2. And people, they were trying to take freedom away from the Galatians. And Paul says, no, I'm not going to let them do that to you. And the book of Galatians is reminding them that they have been set free by Jesus Christ. And I realize that God wants us all, he wants everyone in this room to experience freedom. Complete, complete freedom in Jesus Christ. But the reason why we don't know this type of freedom, the reason why I don't know this type of freedom, and most of us in this room don't know this type of freedom is because we've got issues. We do. And these issues keep us from seeing the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. This is something God's been showing me the last couple weeks. (laughs) It's crazy, but I used to think that you guys had all the issues <laughs> and that I didn't. I really believe that because yours are so blaring. And I, I thought, yeah, but I, you know, like, like it's so weird. I had issues that were keeping me from seeing my issues. And these last couple of weeks, God's kind of opened my eyes and go, you know what, you've got so many issues that you think everyone else has the issue. And maybe that's some of you in this room. You can see everyone else's issues, but you think you've got it together. And the truth is, is now you've got issues. You've got some serious issues. Um, we all do. Because you know what? Our parents screwed us up. <laughs> we were raised with, by people with issues, right? We were taught by people with issues. And, uh, and so often we think we see clearly, but we don't. We don't, and God's opening my eyes to realizing, no, there are things in your life that have messed you up, and it's going to be a process to figure it all out. I want to illustrate this. Jim's going to help me. Um, This this is is what it's really like. Go for it. Okay. All of us are in a fog, right? That's enough, Jim. (laughs) That's good. He's got issues. Um, Don't worry, it's just a smoke machine. Um, But we all, we're all in a fog, okay, right? Now, if this is all you've seen all your life, how can you know when you're seeing clearly and the fog is gone? See, I could step over here and say, oh, I used to be in a fog. Well, no, you used to be in a thicker fog. (laughs) See, but the truth is, is we're all in a fog. We are. Some of you are in a fog, a real thick fog, and the lights are off. (laughs) Others, you're just in a fog. The lights have been turned on, but you're still in a fog, maybe less of a fog. Hopefully that, you know... I'm in a fog, and I'm teaching you. You're, you're being taught by an imperfect person. See, because absolutely, my, my parents messed me up. Experiences, you know, you guys right there are really in a fog right now. Um, you can go ahead and turn on the air, and let's just get it out of here. Um, but the whole point is, this is life. In fact, the Bible says that while we're on the earth, 
we're only going to be able to see dimly, like in a mirror, like in a scuffed up mirror. We're just going to barely see. Why? Because we're in a fog down here. There's going to come a day when we can see clearly, but we all have to admit, while we're on the earth, we're only going to see God partially. We're only going to see truth somewhat partially. We're going to see like in a dim mirror. And then one day we'll actually be absolutely clear and go, no way. Man, I can see God face to face and all the things that were wrong and all the issues that I didn't know I had. Now I finally get it. But the truth is, is that there's some of you in this room that you grew up in this family where you were taught things to be absolute truth and they were ingrained in your head for all those years and you can't help but see scripture through that lens because everything that happens to us affects our mind we've been taught by imperfect people all all our lives some of you guys were raised in religions that told you you got to do this 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 and this to get to heaven and it's so ingrained in your head and you think it's out of there but it's not. There's still some residue in there, isn't there? And it still bugs you sometimes. And then you've got the world's teaching every week, teaching us stuff of, you know, of us being good people or whatever, and it gets in our heads a little bit. We've had uh, all sorts of different experiences, and basically, even if you've been in this church, for some of you have been in this church for over 10 years, and you've been taught by me, a guy that's imperfect. And so when I teach, it's going to be teaching through my issues, and hopefully the Holy Spirit blows some of the fog away, and hopefully I'm in a little clearer place to kind of help you to a place that's less foggy in understanding God, but we've all been taught by imperfect people, and we all have these different issues, and we're imperfect people, and so we're just a bunch of people kind of trying to figure it out here on the earth, and so let's just admit that and quit believing that everyone else is messed up and go, you know what, God? I've got my own issues, and let's pray about that. In fact, I'd like to give you a couple minutes right now just to come before God and just say, God, I know that there are things in my life that keep me from seeing you clearly. There are experiences in my life that keep me from knowing you completely. And God, would you lift some of the fog today? Pray for me as I try to preach this message. That God would get me past the, you know, just these issues that I have and to be able to just say everything that the Bible says and that I would say it clearly. We need the Holy Spirit's help to understand the Word of God. And so right now, just bow your heads and just come before God and ask Him to help you see through the fog. Father, I love just this new freedom that you've been teaching me through your word. Thank you so much for lifting some of the fog so I could see so much of my ignorance. God, I pray that you would do that for all of us, God, that you would continue to move in my heart and everyone's heart so that we can see you more clearly, as clear as we can here on earth. God, I pray for power in this room. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. See, in Galatians 2, there were people that, uh, they were trying to distort the gospel. 
There were people that were saying that, well, Paul is preaching an incomplete gospel. See, these people, they were in darkness. They had issues all their lives. They'd been trying to follow these rules, these traditions, these laws. And so then they hear about Jesus, and they're going, oh, yeah, we can have this freedom in Christ. But then they thought, well, but we have to keep obeying these laws and these traditions and everything else. Now, Paul was teaching, no, you don't need those laws anymore. That's what Jesus set us free from. We don't have to follow these traditions. You don't have to do this, this, or this. The the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is enough. It's just about faith. It's just about grace. It's just about the Spirit. And so these people who were steeped in this tradition were telling these Galatian churches, no, 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 Paul's wrong. Paul's wrong. There's more to it. It's not just about the cross. It's not just about grace. It's not just about believing and how the only thing that counts is this love that's expressed through faith. He goes, there's more to it. And Paul says, no, they're trying to put you guys in bondage. They're trying to make you obey these laws that you don't have to obey. Jesus Christ set you free from that. You're absolutely free from that. And that's what the, the backdrop of Galatians 2 is about. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2 verse 1, he goes, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. Okay, Paul had been preaching to the Gentile people. The Gentiles, is, that's the word for anyone who wasn't Jewish. Paul had been preaching to the people who were not Jewish and telling them about the freedom in Christ. He'd been doing that for 14 years. He's seeing people get saved. He's seeing the Holy Spirit in their lives. But then there were these people that were Jewish believers or, or possibly Jewish believers, and and they were saying, no, Paul, you also have to teach them the Jewish law, the Jewish traditions. In essence, they have to become Jewish and then become Christians. And Paul's saying, no, that's not true. And now these people were saying, well, you know, that's Paul's gospel, but the real apostles, you know, Peter, James, John, the real ones that were actually with Jesus, they'll tell you that you got to obey the law. And Paul's point was, no, no, no. I went up to Jerusalem to talk to those guys. I actually went up to Jerusalem after 14 years of preaching to the the Gentiles, this freedom in Jesus Christ. I actually went to Peter, James, and John. He goes, I took Titus along also. In verse 2, he goes, I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain, yet not even Titus who was with me was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was Greek. Okay, so Paul says, look, I went to Jerusalem, and he goes, and I set before them. I said, look, here's, he goes, I laid out to the other apostles, look, here's the gospel I preach to the Gentiles. It's about faith. It's about grace. It's about freedom. And he says, so we had this discussion with all the apostles, and I took Titus with me. Titus was one of the Gentile believers who didn't obey the law. And, and he was a Greek, and he wasn't circumcised, and the Jews were like, well, okay, I I see the Holy Spirit in him, so he must be saved. And yet he's not obeying the law. And Paul's saying even after that whole discussion, Titus left there, I left there going, okay, so they agree. You don't have to obey the law. If you want to, you can. If you want to obey the traditions, you want to be circumcised, you want to have dietary laws, you can go for it. But you're free. You don't have to be. He goes, even Titus, after seeing through that whole thing, thought, no, I don't have to be. And if you read about it in in Acts chapter 15, it it explains, and you do that on on, on some other time. Um, But uh, 
We don't have time to get into it right now, but, but read Acts 15 because it describes that counsel of these people saying, no, you have to obey these laws to, in order to be saved. And at the end of it, they're going, no, you, you really don't. You really don't. And they were in agreement to this. The whole point was the Holy Spirit. The whole point was they saw in Titus this Gentile who was not obeying the laws, yet they saw the Spirit of God in his life, and they're going, he must be saved. It must be true. You don't have to obey the law to be saved. You don't have to obey these traditions to be saved because obviously he's saved because he has the Holy Spirit in him. We see that. There's evidence of that. And Paul's saying, yeah, that's what I've seen among the Gentiles. So this law that you're trying to put and impose on people doesn't have to be imposed anymore. Jesus Christ has set us free. And see, in verse 4, it explains this. It says, this matter arose. The whole reason why he had to go to Jerusalem and everything else, this whole matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain in you. This is interesting. He says, there are, see, there are these false people that actually came to church. There are kind of these false brothers that came in to spy on them. They're saying, wait, these Christians over here, these believers, they're just worshiping. They're just, you know, giving their lives to the Lord and everything else, and yet they're not under the burden of this law. They're completely free. And it bothered them. They didn't like the freedom these Christians had. They wanted to put them under the same bondage they were under. He said they were spying out because they wanted to make us slaves because misery loves company. People who don't have freedom don't want you to have freedom either, do they? People that have all these burdens and laws heaped upon them, they want you to be under those same burdens and laws. They can't stand this freedom this joy, this peace that you have in Christ. They want you to be under the bondage of something else. And that's what these people were doing. And Paul says, I didn't give in to them for a moment. He goes, I was going to fight for your freedom because they were telling me you had to do this, this, this. And Paul says, I, I said, no way. No way. I will fight for this thing because it's about the truth of the gospel. I want the truth of the gospel to remain in them. Some of you need to fight for your freedom. You really do. Because all your lives, you've been taught something else. And for the most part, you believe that Jesus died on that cross and he paid for all of your sins and he rose from your, the grave showing you that you've got eternal life. For the most part, you believe that. For the most part, you believe that you're free. But I'm willing to bet that for almost everyone in this room, in the back of your mind, there's still some question of whether or not the cross is enough. Some of you are still wondering because you came out of that background just like them. You're going, man, but I'm not at the Jewish temple anymore. All my life I was told I gotta go attend the temple, I gotta take part in the festivals, and so now you hear about this freedom in Christ, but in the back of your mind there's still these haunting voices that go, yeah, but maybe I should do that also. Some of you in this room, you've been set free by Christ, but in the back of your mind you're going, ah, but I haven't attended mass, I haven't done the rosary, 
I haven't confessed to a priest. I haven't done my penance. Man, I left. And so in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't know, I, I still have some guilt for leaving. Others of you, you left the Watchtower Society and they told you, you can't interpret this Bible just with you and the Holy Spirit. You need the Watchtower Society. You need to be a part of the kingdom. It's in the back of your mind all those years of being told, don't you leave the kingdom. Don't you go to one of those apostate churches. And you're sitting there going, man, but that's the truth and that's Christ and there is freedom in Christ, but there's still some bondage in your head. Some of you in your minds, you, you, uh, you still struggle because you think, no, I still need the temple ceremonies. And you were told that you could never attain godhood unless you accepted Joseph Smith as your prophet. And there's still things you need to do in order to become a god yourself. And there's still guilt back there. And it's like, no, but the Bible teaches about Christ and how Christ sets you free. But no, all these years of getting in your head and saying, no, you must do this, must do this, must do this also. Others of you, you've been set free by Christ, but in your mind you go, I never made my pilgrimage to Mecca. I, I, I should be praying five times a day. I should be fasting. And you're thinking about those pillars that were the pillars of your life for so long. Some of you grew up in evangelical churches and you were taught about freedom in Christ, but still you have doubts because in the back of your mind you're going, yeah, but I've done some really bad things, things that no one knows about. And they were things that I did after becoming a Christian when I should have known better. And so it's like, well, am I really a Christian? Did I... And you want to believe, no, I'm free, I'm free. No, if I died today, I would just go straight to heaven. This is the greatest thing in the world. Jesus died on that cross. He rose from the grave. My chains are free. But in the back of your head, you're going, oh, but I don't know. I don't know. I've done some pretty bad things. And some of you have bought into this lie that you've heard your your whole life that, no, you're a good person. In fact, we're all good people. And good people go to heaven, so we're all going to heaven. And, 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 but in the back of your mind, you know the truth about yourself, even though everyone else tells you, you know, you're a good person, you're a good person, you're a good person, and you'll even say it, yeah, I am a good person. No, you know what you've done. You and God know what you've done, and you would not want it to flash on the screen your 10 worst moments in life that no one knows about. And you, you, when you go to bed at night, you, you know what, I'm not a good person, and God knows. And so all these things haunt you. And you've been told all your life you're not good enough. Are you sure you've done enough? Are you sure you're good enough? Are you sure you've done all the rituals, all the traditions that you were taught your whole life? And so you come in here with that baggage. You come in here with this fog, and I do too. And God says, I want you to be completely free. I I want you to just totally know and understand my grace, but you can't. You're struggling with it. I've struggled with it. To really believe in complete freedom because of the cross and what Jesus did on that cross. And I'm here this morning to tell you, get rid of those voices in your head. Get rid of all the traditions that you were brought up with saying you have to do this, have to do this, have to do this. You're free, you know why? Because of this. 
Do you understand what this represents? Do you understand what this represents? This is, this is not my body that was broken for you. This represents the Creator. Think about this. The Creator. Through Him all things were made. Talking about Jesus. Through Him nothing was made on this earth. This whole earth. He made everything. And then He, the Creator of the world, came down here, took human form, and then had His body broken. The Creator. The Creator. Think about it. God, the one who made the earth, comes down and His body is broken for you on that cross. His flesh is torn apart for you. Saying, look, I'm going to pay for all of your sins, past, present, future. I'm going to pay. The Son of God gives His life, breaks His body for you so that you can be free. And you're going to sit there and think, well, I need the Son of God, the Creator, to break His body. Plus, I'm going to help Him along. By obeying a law? By a tradition? So something you're going to do, something this little created being on the earth, because the Creator coming down and breaking His bread for you, breaking His body for you, isn't enough? He's saying, no, that set you free. You know why you're free, despite what anyone's told you? Because of this. The blood of Jesus Christ. You guys, this isn't my blood. This is the blood of Jesus Christ. The Son of God, the Creator, comes down, sheds His blood for you and saying, look, I will pay for your crime. I'll switch places with you. I'll set you free. I'll do it all. I'll become sin on your behalf. I'll take all of your sins on the cross and my blood, God in the flesh, will be shed for you. What are you going to add to that? God needs you to add something to that? The point of communion was that you've been set free. And don't let anyone take that freedom away from you. Don't let anyone tell you, no, you still got to do this. You still got to do this. You got to still do this. Paul says, I didn't give in to them for a moment. Because the blood of Jesus Christ set you free. Get rid of your baggage this morning. Get rid of all those voices telling you, well, but maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe. Does that really make sense to you that you could add to the body and blood of Jesus Christ? It's for freedom that you've been set free. I just want to say a few more words about the rest of this passage because uh, this helped me so much. In verse 6, this is a really key verse. Paul's talking about those, uh, those apostles that he met with. And he says in verse 6, he goes, as for those who seem to be important, he's talking about Peter, James, and John because these people were lifting them up as such great apostles. Paul was not being disrespectful here. Understand that. He's making a point though. He goes, as for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God doesn't judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I'd been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. Now what Paul says is he's explaining to these people, look, I know you guys think these apostles are so great. He goes, what they are really doesn't matter to me. It doesn't make any difference to me. Now he wasn't saying that disrespectfully. What he was saying was, I received a message from God. 
So who cares if people say something? What are they going to do? Add to that? What are they going to validate that? I heard from Almighty God. See, you guys are all into these people. Well, this person says this person. He goes, it doesn't matter. I heard from God. Now he explains, he goes, now, when I did explain this message to these people, they agreed with me. You know, later he even explains, he goes, they, verse 9, James, Peter, John, those reputed to be pillars, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. He goes, look, they agreed with my message. They didn't add to my message. They didn't say, hey, Paul, okay, you got this right, but add this, add this, add this. He goes, we're in agreement. He goes, but that that's not the issue. He goes, the point is it doesn't matter what they say. The point is, is I got a message from God, and I, I got to learn from that from Paul. Again, he's not being arrogant. He's being confident with what God had taught him. He was confident with the very word of God and saying, look, if God teaches you something from his word, don't let anyone else tell you differently. He goes, now, these guys didn't tell me differently, but even if they did, I wouldn't care because that came from the mouth of God. That was the word of God. And he goes, so what these men were made no difference to me. You see, I realized that a lot of my freedom has been taken away or I allowed people to take it away from me. I knew what God taught me from his word, but those other voices, I gave in to them. People telling me things that weren't in the Bible, but it still affects you, doesn't it? Even though you know it's not biblical, even though you know it's not in there, you let it affect you. You give in to it for a moment, unlike Paul. And you start listening to it because it's from prominent people, important people. And Paul's saying, it doesn't matter. It came from God. And I realize, well, a lot of the things I do, man, I'm unsure of, not because it's not in the word of God, but because I'm listening to these voices. And they're trying to rob me of my freedom. They're trying to make me slaves of things that I'm not supposed to be enslaved to. Christ set me free from those things. And I realized, you know, all these years of emails and phone calls and criticisms of, of, of you, you know what? You're wearing jeans. You're not even wearing real shoes. You shave your head. You play with fog. You guys, you guys don't sing all hymns. You don't do this. You don't do that. You joke around too much. Man, and I start going, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you know what, maybe I do. Maybe that is, and I start thinking, no, no, why do I do the things I do? Because of the word of God. Why do I dress like this? Because this is the way I dress every day of the week. And I believe God wants me to be the same person Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I want to make a point about that. And so, you know what, my heart should be right all throughout the week. And I should be the same person when I leave this room as when I come into this room. That's why I do what I do. In fact, today I wore my jeans with a hole in it. <laughs> Just to really bug some of you. Because <laughs> I'm free. I didn't even zip them up. I was so free. But, you know, you get in those voices of people saying, no, you have to wear a tie, you know. Jesus wore a tie, everyone, you know. <laughs> what? But you start, why? Because your baggage, your issues. And it's just going, no, I'm free to do whatever. The only thing I'm in bondage to is love, the Bible says, just love. And I go, you know what, I'm going to dress in the most loving way I, I can think of. And that's by showing you a person who's the same way he is all throughout the week. Same person up here. Is down there. I think that's most loving. 
and prepare my heart, not my outward appearance. Be more focused on the heart. Why do I joke around? Because I'm funny. <laughs> Why are you so serious? You know, it's, it's just, there's nothing in here that says I can't be funny. It's the way God made me. Sometimes I don't even try to be funny. It just kind of, funny comes out. See? It's just, no, it's just, it's who I am. I'm free to be that. It's okay. And all these things that we've been told, you know, like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. And all these burdens, like, no, I'm free from that. I can do whatever I want in love. Man, I, I, you know, I, it doesn't mean we disregard the things of God. Man, but he's saying just, you know, the whole, all the laws can be summed up with one command. He says that later in Galatians. Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. You say it in love. You do it in love. You dress in love. You worship in love. Why do some people, you know, some of you guys are bugged. Oh, people will raise their hands. Other people don't. Some get on their knees. Some you guys, where's the rule there? I'm not seeing it. So don't enforce rules that aren't in this book. It's not biblical. And Paul says, look, I'm not getting bound by that. Now, I know that some of you guys are scared right now because I'm preaching on grace. And some of you, this scares you because you think in your mind, Francis, why did you just say that? Because now people are going to think, well, I can just be forgiven of anything. So I'm just going to go on in my sin and God doesn't care what I do, right? And so, and some of you guys are going, man, you let my kid hear that message. I've been, you know, trying to scare him with hell and everything else. And now you're telling him, hey, you know what? Everything's wiped away. He's just going to go on in their sin. And you're going, man, don't preach this. People have even saying, man, Francis preaches grace, grace, grace. People are just going to sin like crazy. And let me tell you, I understand that fear. And it's that same fear that's kept me from preaching grace all these years. I've been scared to preach the grace of Jesus Christ because just like you, I cannot stand hypocrisy in the church. I can't stand the reputation of the church. And uh, just in general, not on my cornerstone, just, just the general reputation of church. I hate the, the hypocrisy. And so what we do, what we try to do is leave a, a hint of doubt in people's minds and say, well, maybe you're not really saved. You better do more good works. And we try to manipulate them into this obedience so we don't want to preach grace. We don't want to preach that they've been free from all their sins, past, present, and future. We want them to believe, but if you screw up too much, he might take it away from you. So don't go screwing up. And, and we, we want to leave some doubt in there so that people won't abuse the grace of Jesus Christ. And the thing that I've learned in Scripture this week that God just revealed to me and go, man, don't you understand a true believer cannot abuse the grace of Jesus Christ. Because if you're a true believer and you know the grace of Jesus Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit is in you. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, he makes you a slave to what is right. That's why Paul preaches and he goes, he goes what? Am I going to just keep on sinning so that grace will increase? He goes, may it never be. I can't do that. I can't do that. That's impossible for me. I'm a slave to what's right. 
Those of you who know Jesus Christ and know the grace of the cross, could you really, could you really walk out of this room and abuse God's grace? You, you could really do that? Just leave here and go, well, I'm just going to keep on sinning then. You can't, can you? You can't because the Holy Spirit is in you and I'm going to stop worrying about you abusing the grace of Jesus Christ because if the Holy Spirit is in you, you can't. He won't let you. He doesn't let me. Man, if I try to abuse the grace of Jesus Christ, I cannot pull it off. There is a force inside me. There is a power inside me. There is a person inside me who won't let me. And so I'm going to preach grace. I'm going to preach it to you. I'm going to preach it to me. I've been set free, completely free, by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm free from all of my sin, all of my guilt, all of my shame. I can take a deep breath and look you in the eye with confidence and say, look, if I died right now, I'd go straight to heaven because of the grace of Jesus Christ. The blood is enough for me. It's absolutely enough. Absolutely enough. And if you abuse that, it's because you don't really know it. There's only two types of people in the world. People who don't know the grace of Jesus Christ and the people who do, and the people who do have the Holy Spirit in them, and they'll be motivated to do good works. That's why verse 10 is so important. I'm going to close with this. So they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, they to the Jews. Verse 10, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. I'm going to point something out here, two things. One, isn't it interesting that at this council, they're, they're saying, hey, you know what? Okay, yeah, it is freedom. It is grace. But after it's all done, they go, hey, okay, yeah, you're free to do whatever you want. He goes, but would you remember the poor? Isn't that cool? That's the one thing they mention. Shows that it's pretty important, isn't it? <laughs> to love. And then the other thing I want to point out is Paul says, well, that was the very thing we were eager to do. Of course I'm going to remember the poor. I want to remember the poor. Duh. If I'm a believer, like 1 John 3 says, it says, well, if you see your brother in need and you have material possessions, you take no pity on him. How could the love of Christ be in you? But if the love of Christ is in you, you're going to be eager for these things. See what I mean? You can't abuse grace. The Holy Spirit won't let you. That's why when I speak about the poor, I don't have to beg some of you, come on, no, really, have a heart for the poor. You're eager for it. When I say, look, you can have love, joy, peace, patience, I don't have to convince you. You go, no, I want that. I'm eager for that. When I say you can be free from your sin, free from all of this, this, this junk that you're doing in this life that you were in bondage to, and now you're free from it all, I don't have to convince you. You want it. So you don't abuse the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the very grace of Jesus Christ that motivates you and makes you eager for good works. But for too long, I've been scared to preach grace. Scared to fully, fully, fully talk about freedom because I'm scared of the hypocrisy, scared of the abuse of grace, and I'm just realizing, you know what? I can't control that. I can't manipulate that. Those who don't know the grace of Jesus Christ will continue to abuse it. But it's because you don't know it. And those who know it, the Holy Spirit's in you. You're good. I'm not worried about you. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.